Let's pray. Abba, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your great love. We thank you that our maker is our husband. And we thank you that you sent Yeshua to set us free. And that's my prayer today, Lord, that everyone who's supposed to be in this meeting will come in here and that you will set us free by your word, by your spirit, and by your great love, that we might leave this place released from bondage, from pain, from addiction, that you'll give us a fresh revelation of who you are and our own hearts, and you'll do a deep work in our hearts because of your wonderful grace. And we pray this prayer to you, Abba, in the name of Yeshua. Amen. I want to call this little message a sealed room, a cheder atum. How many of you were here during the Gulf War in 1991? Raise your hand. That's all? Wow. A lot of new people here. <laughs> well, we were told in the Gulf War that we needed a cheder atum. Every home was supposed to have a sealed room, and we were to tape up the windows and tape up the door because when Saddam Hussein fired his scuds at us, we didn't know whether they would be chemical weapons or not. So all over the land, people had a cheder atum. Karen and I in those days lived at what became Beit Nitzachon, up on the top floor where Eric Benson now lives. But the office where Penny now labors was our cheder atum. That was our sealed room. We had tape around the windows. We had tape and plastic on the door. And when the air raid siren ran off, ran, went off in the middle of the night, usually, we ran into that room. There was a, a, a friend of ours, a sister in the Lord from Holland who was living with us. She ran in there with us. There was an elderly Holocaust survivor who lived with us. She ran in there Well, she walked in there with us. Then there was an Arab believer who lived across the street named Ehab, and he ran, he ran in there with us. He's now a pastor in Galilee. And as we got into the room, we made sure we were all there. We closed the door, and we made sure we sealed everything so no gas could get in there. And praise the Lord, there, were no, there wasn't any gas in the, in the missiles that hit Haifa. But I want to talk to you about a sealed room that I believe that many people have a room in their heart that's sealed up. And the Lord wants to go to the deepest part of you to set you free. So I want to begin by reading from Ezekiel chapter 8. And if you look at chapter 8, verse, let's start in verse 5. The prophet had a vision of the temple in Jerusalem. And he saw in the spirit, if you look at verse 5, at the end of the verse, there was an image of jealousy. There was a, an idol, a, a statue, an image of jealousy set up right at the door, the north gate of the temple. The glory of the Lord was trying to get into the temple, but there was an image, there was a, a, an image of jealousy at the door. In verse 6, furthermore, he said to me, son of man, do you see what they're doing? The great abominations that make the house of Israel that they commit there, they make me go far away from my sanctuary. In the spirit, there were elders and leaders of the house of Israel doing things in the Beit HaMikdash that was causing the Holy Spirit to leave. Look at verse 7. He brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, there was a hole in the wall. Verse 8, Shmone. So he's, 
said to me, son of man, dig into the wall. And when I dug into the wall, there was a door. So in the spirit, Ezekiel comes to the temple and the Lord says, dig through the wall that is built there so I can show you what's going on inside the temple. And so he did. He tore a hole in the wall and he went in to see what was going on inside this room that had been sealed, but now he was inside it. Pasuk Esser, verse 10. I went in, I saw, and every sort of creeping thing, abominable beasts, and all the idols of the house of Israel, they were portrayed all around the walls. So he comes into the Beit HaMikdash. This is all in the spirit. This is a vision. And in the holy place, he sees, today we might call it graffiti, he sees all kinds of ugly, demonic carvings all around the wall, on the walls of the Beit HaMikdash. And then, look at verse 11. There stood before them 70 men of the elders of the house of Israel, the, the leaders, Shivaim. 70 elders were in the Beit HaMikdash, and all of this idolatry was all carved into the walls of the holy place. And in verse 12, he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel? They do it in the dark, every man in the room of his idols. For they say, the Lord does not see us, for he's forsaken the land. So the elders were doing this. Now this is for the ladies. These were men doing this. The ladies, they were weeping for Tammuz. Tammuz was the idol of the statue of Adonis, the perfect man. It was women worshiping a statue of a perfect naked man in the Beit HaMikdash. You know that the music war awards here in Tel Aviv in Israel are called Tam the Tammuz Awards? In Greek mythology, Adonis had sex with Venus and uh, it was the Every woman longed that wanted an Adonis, a perfect uh, Greek man. Now look at verse 18, the second half. The Lord says to him, though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. And this is why God left our land. This is why the glory of the Lord lifted up from the temple and went out over the Mount of Olives and, and went away from Israel. And you might say, well, what does this have to do with us today? We don't, we don't have this in our building. My friends, these things were written for our warning, our admonition. Where is the temple of God today? There's one. There's a couple. I'm one. I hope you all are. We're the temple of God. And the 70 elders... They were the representatives of the people of God. Moshe had 70 elders, Moses. And it represents the whole people of God. Yeshua sent out 70. For us, it's talking about the people of God today. People that had the presence of God and then they lost it. So the 70 is about us. And they're saying, oh, I have a secret room. God doesn't know what that's all about. Images. Do you know that once you get caught in pornography, it takes a miracle of the Holy Spirit to get rid of the images. 
When I was in university in the 1960s, it's when Playboy magazine came out, and all of a sudden, men all over the football team, everybody was looking at naked women. Before that, that wasn't allowed in America. There's, there's a place in the Mercas where I go and buy a, a, a um, meat gezer. I like to drink uh, carrot juice a couple times a week. <laughs> it's good for me. But when I go in there, I need to go in there like this. Because there's naked women everywhere. Pictures. And those images can get in there, and you won't get it out unless you really cry out to the Lord for him to erase it. And now for women today, I don't know what the names of the magazines are, but there's all these naked men they can look at. It's all over television. It's all over Israel. The way mothers dress, not just daughters, mothers. I was praying early this morning walking down Hatishbi Street. And I saw a couple of families of neighbors getting ready to go have a picnic somewhere. They were putting their things in the car. And this mother came out half naked with her husband there and her child. And I thought, this, this spirit of Jezebel is all over our land. But for you and me in the kingdom of God, we need to tear down vain imaginations that the enemy tries to write on the walls of your temple. Now, it's very clear. If you have an idol in the, in the entrance to your sealed room, the Lord, you, the Lord will not hear you. Why? He's jealous. He wants your heart. It's an idol of jealousy. He goes away. So the Lord wants to speak to us about this. If you want to clearly, how many of you want to clearly hear his voice? Raise your hand. Praise the Lord. 98%. <laughs> I know we all do. Everybody wants to hear the voice of God. Ma, what? Ma. Joseph, this uh, isn't working in Arabic. Azorlo. Seder? Man, he wants to hear the voice of God through Joseph Haddad in Arabic. <laughs> Joseph was just with some Syrian believers. Wait, rega, 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 rega. The Syrian believers didn't want to come to the conference because they heard Jewish believers would be there. Rega, rega, rega. I'm not finished. They came anyway. You know what happened? The Israeli believers, the Jewish believers started to love the Syrian believers, and the Syrian believers loved the Jewish believers, and it was the best part of the conference. Hallelujah. We serve a God of miracles. Okay. If you want to clearly hear his voice and you want to walk in victory, I hope you all do. I know I do. Listen, you cannot keep a sealed room. You cannot keep that part of what Freud would call your ego that says, me, 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 me. He wants to go into that deepest part of you and give you a new identity in Mashiach. Hallelujah. Because sin is a wall of separation between even the believer and God. He won't listen to you because you're serving some other God, some idol of jealousy. David the king knew all about this. You know, we point the finger at David and said, well, he committed adultery. Well, he did. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it was terrible what he did. But there's a beautiful thing about David the king. In those days, a Middle Eastern king, an Oriental king, had total power, and every king did this kind of thing. 
That's not to excuse what he did like somebody, some people try to say. But when he realized, when the prophet said, God knows what you did, he wrote the 51st Psalm, which is the greatest portion of Scripture about coming back to God or repentance probably in the whole Bible. And in that Psalm, he said this, God desires truth in the inward parts. God desires truth in the deepest part of your heart. He knows all about your motives. He knows what you do in the dark. Not only that, in the hidden, in the inmost part, that is where he will teach you wisdom. That's Psalm 51, verse 6. If you really want to hear the voice of God, he wants to go into that place that sometimes somebody says, oh, no, I'm not going that far. One time I was talking to a couple many, many years ago, and they said, uh, one, one of them said, you know, we'd like some help with our marriage. And the other one got up and said, I'm not going there. No, not, I'm, not, I'm not going in there. Now, I hope over the years they've improved. I'm not sure. But God wants, as we heard last week from Pastor Peter, he wants to bring light into the darkness. Let me show you a picture of this. Turn to Shir Shirim. Why is this called Shir Shirim? Why is this called the Song of Songs? You know, all the translators got it wrong and called it the Song of Solomon. It's, it's not. It's the, it's the Song of Songs. Why is it the Song of Songs? That means the greatest song. The most wonderful song. Because it is probably the place in the Word of God where the love duet between the bridegroom and the bride is sung in its fullness. It, it's a love song between Mashiach and the people who love him. The ancient Hebrew writers, the rabbis, they knew, they wrote that this is about this is about the Mashiach coming for the people of God. They're right. Isn't it going to be something when an entire nation sings Shir Shirim? Hallelujah. When your neighbors know how much God loves them and we all sing the Song of Songs together. But for us today, it is a, it's a duet. You know what a duet is? You know what an opera is? Every Russian speaker here knows what opera is. Where the hero sings and the, and the woman respond the, responds and they have this great moment where the man sings and the woman. That's a duet. Well, that's what this is. So turn to chapter 5. And here's the Mashiach singing to his bride. If you know the Lord and love the Lord, he wants you to move into a bridal love with him. And look what he says. Here comes the Mashiach, the bridegroom. Verse 1. This is chapter 5, verse 1. I've come to my garden, my sister, my spouse. I've gathered my myrrh and my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey, and I've drunk my wine with my milk. Here comes the Messiah coming to you. And it talks of the wonderful anointing on him. I'm coming with love and deliverance and anointing and power and, and acceptance. And he's coming, look, he's looking for his bride. And look what she's doing. She's asleep, verse 2. She says, I sleep, but my heart is awake. 
She's asleep, but her heart is still open to the bridegroom who's looking for her. And she's, she says, it's the voice of my beloved. She hears him. Do you hear him? Do you hear him calling you today? He's calling you today. He's calling you to a deeper love relationship with him. So look what happens. She hears his voice. He knocks saying, open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is covered with dew and my, the locks of my hair with the drops of the night. He's knocking on her door. He's knocking on her sealed room. The dew, the anointing is all over him. He's saying, I love you so much. I love you with my whole heart. You're so beautiful to me. I want to come in. I want to come in your sealed room. I want to have communion with you. Look what happens. Verse 3. She says, I've taken off my robe. I can't get up again. I've taken off my robe. I've already taken off. How can I put on my robe and go to open the door? And she says, I've washed my feet. I, I can't walk across the room. She makes excuses. Friends, don't make excuses. He's knocking at your door. He wants to take the tape off. He'll, he'll, if you ask him, he'll pour Holy Spirit solvent on there and dissolve the tape of your sealed room and the door will open. You know, when we tried to get that tape off after the Gulf War, we washed it. We washed it. Nothing happened. I scraped it with a knife. It, finally, somebody, probably Guido and somebody that knows things like this, says, hey, you get a bottle of this stuff, and you pour it on there, and you just rub it off. In fact, Nana cleaned uh, our, uh, in Karen's uh, uh, prayer room. She got some stuff. Off. She knew how to do it. Hallelujah. <laughs> But see, that's the, it's hard to get it off. You can't do it yourself. You need the Holy Spirit to come and the oil of the Holy Spirit to just take that tape off, and in comes the Mashiach. The beloved, the Mashiach, the Lord, the bridegroom, he doesn't give up. Ima imagine if the Mashiach showed up here today, if Yeshua and we had knocked on the door and we said we're busy. Well, he puts his hand on, on the latch. He puts his hand on the knob. He's trying. Trying to open the door. Zucarba, verse 4. My beloved put his hand on the latch. My heart, not only does she hear him, but her heart is yearning for him, and he's trying to come in her room. My heart yearned for him. So finally she gets up. I don't know how long he was trying to open the door. I don't know how long he was knocking. But finally she gets up. And look, what's, look what it says. I opened for my beloved. She opens her sealed room. But my beloved had turned away and was gone. Isn't that sad? It's heartbreaking. She finally gets up. Finally goes to the door. Finally opens it. And he's gone. Brothers and sisters, there are people who have had sealed rooms for years, for decades. They haven't allowed the love of God to penetrate into the deepest part of their heart. We had a man teaching here the other day, 
about breaking bondages, I heard him say, it happened to me when I was 42 years old. He'd been a believer for years and realized that he had a sealed room that he hadn't opened to the Lord. As this man spoke about it, his, this man was a businessman before he was in ministry. His wife was sitting there watching him. You know what happened to him? He started crying because he remembered the moment he had opened up his sealed room. It, and most, a lot of us don't even know we have one because in that sealed room, the enemy will whisper all kinds of stuff to you. You carve your imagination with vain imaginations like the walls on the temple where the elders were. I see it as believers in solitary confinement. You know what solitary confinement? You're alone in prison. And I've read about great men of God that were put in, Watchman Nee and others that were put into solitary, Richard Wormbrandt that were put into solitary confinement. And it's like you're sitting in that sealed room the part of you that doesn't want to surrender everything, surrender everything to the love of God. And you're sitting there, and cobwebs are growing, spider webs. And it's like you're getting entangled in all of these false voices that are coming at you. And the Lord wants to set us free from all that. So that when we open the sealed room, the light of the love of God comes in, and all that stuff is dissolved and dispelled. Why didn't she open the door? Why did she wait so long? We have excuses. We have evasions. We have walls of fear that we've put up. We have labor, uh, layers of compulsions. We act emotionally and not under the control of the Holy Spirit. And this, the sealed room gets more and more sealed. Oh, yeah, you know the Lord. You know about him. You have a relationship with him. But still, you're controlled by forces you should not be controlled by. When we receive the Holy Spirit, and he comes into our spirit, the Holy Spirit is to govern our emotions and our feelings. It's called sanctification. It's a process where you walk in the spirit. You're not controlled by your feelings and your emotions anymore. If you haven't forgiven somebody, you're under control of that thing. It amazes me that sometimes a believer will tell you, well, 10 years ago somebody did something and they haven't even forgiven them. So you know what? They have a sealed room. They cannot clearly hear the voice of the Lord because if you don't forgive somebody, you're not forgiven. It's as simple as that. It becomes behavior driven by self-interest. Before I met the Lord, when I was a humanist, in the American university system. I wrote it on the blackboard. Self-fulfillment is the greatest excellence. Develop yourself. Be excellent. It was the idol in my heart. I strove for excellence. I strove to teach my students, be excellent, be self-fulfilled. Then I met the Lord. And he said, give me your ego. And that's what he says. Give me your ego that I need to be seen. Everything's about me. It's pride. Many years ago, 50 years ago, in Holland, there was a young man, the age of some of our interns, perhaps or teenagers. 
he had been severely wounded in the Dutch army in Indonesia. And he, and he walked like that, and it was painful to walk. He was laying in his bed one night. There was a storm outside in Amsterdam. He had met the Lord, and the Holy Spirit was saying to him, give me your heart. Give me your ego. Give me the deepest part of you. Open your sealed room. And he was wrestling with it. And he heard voices in the storm. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And as he wrestled that night, he said, I finally gave up my ego. And he fell asleep. Within a couple of days, he was sitting on a wharf in a thing that goes out into the water in, in Amsterdam. And he had to make a decision to go and marry this young lady that loved him in the, in the congregation he was in. But he knew God was calling him to go to England and go to this Bible school. And he had laid down his ego, so he clearly heard the voice of the Lord, and he said, I'll go. He chose to go. Everybody was telling him, don't go. He got up, started to walk. He took a step, and he realized there was no pain. And he was healed. He was healed. And he writes about it. And he calls it the step of yes. His name is Brother Andrew. He changed the Soviet Union because he got millions of Bibles in there when it was illegal to bring them in. He has a ministry now. He's an old man. He has a ministry to persecuted believers all over the world. You know what it's called? Open doors. He opened his sealed room. He could have kept his ego and said, well, I'm supposed to marry this pretty girl. And so now she married somebody else, and, and he, the Lord gave him another wife. My beloved had turned away and gone. Some of us say, don't search me, just bless me. You know what? It's the reason you're not blessed, because you don't, you don't want truth in the inward parts like David did. It's the prison of me. Look, I had enough of me all those years. I don't want any more me. I have been crucified with Messiah. That's what my Bible says. It's no longer I who live, but Messiah lives in me. Hallelujah. The life I now live in this old falling apart flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me that I might be. Why would you want to hang on to your old idol of pride and jealousy and ego? Because when you say, come into my sealed room, you get his life. His life. It's the great transfer. My old life dies and I get his life. Let me show you one more picture of this, and then we'll stop. Turn to Revelations chapter 3. Heat galut, gimel. I like to say heat galut, sorry. I pray for heat galut all the time. Not this heat galut, heat galut I need. Revelations chapter 3. By the way, it's a letter to believers. They all thought they were okay, but some of them were messed up. So look at verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
I'll come in with him and eat with him, dine with him, and he with me. And to whoever overcomes, I'll grant him to sit with me on my throne. Hallelujah. Do you want to sit with him on his throne of authority and power and love now? I do. But here, here he is knocking the door. Thank God Brother Andrew opened the door and changed the Soviet Union. Or we never would have heard about him. He would have been a guy limping around the Kehala with his wife and kids, and that's okay. But God had something else for him. He had an old, old Volkswagen, and these communist guards would come up as he came into the, to Russia. He had a Volkswagen full of Bibles in Russian. If they'd seen one of them, they would have thrown him in jail and thrown the key away. The guards would come. They would question him. And they never looked at the Bibles. They were sitting right in the car, and he'd just take them in there. How, God wants to use all of us that way. He has adventures for us to walk in. Being victorious, overcoming believers. Hallelujah. Look what it says here. Here's God's solution to your sealed room. The part of, him you don't, the part of yourself you don't want to give up. You mean, I have to surrender everything? If you want to walk in victory, you do. Leave fathers, mothers, children, farms, homes, and I'll give you a hundred times much in this world and persecution and everlasting life. Hallelujah. His solution, his deepest desire is that you and I would enjoy daily, personal, consistent communion with him. He, he comes leaping over the mountains. <laughs> the dew of heaven all over his head. The beautiful anointing the bridegroom carries. And knocks on the door. And we say, oh, I don't know. I don't want to do this now. So Yeshua comes and knocks on the door. And he says, if you'll open with me, if you'll be open with me, we'll dine together. Now, Karen and I have a place we like to go for special occasions. We, we get something to eat there. We do it maybe once a year. We did it for our, our uh, wedding uh, anniversary a few days ago. The reason we like it, it's right on, the, right on the shoreline, and you can hear the water. And we go there and watch the sunset and get something to eat. And it's just me and her. And you know what else is beautiful about it? This is a miracle. There's no music. Hallelujah. We were talking to the owner recently and said, it's wonderful you don't have any music because we can hear the sound of the water. He said, more people, have, more people have told us that. We decided not to have any music. But look, it's being one-on-one -on -one with your, your spouse. And Yeshua says, I want to come into your sealed room, and that's the way I want to live with you. And when I come, it, it's not your sealed room anymore. You know what it is? It's your healed room. <laughs> it is. He heals you. And his love is in there. And his spirit is being magnified through you. Yeshua comes in. His love dissolves the tape. How do, I, how, do I, how do I know it's the healed room? Because he's the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. That's why. The son of God, the son of righteousness comes into all the darkness is dispelled. The, spi the spider webs of the lies of the enemy are broken and dissolved, and we become a partaker of Messiah. 
Hebrews 3.14. We feed on him. It's nice to have a nice piece of fish or something and, and, and look at my wife and have a good time with her. But this is, to, I'm talking about feeding on Messiah. He says, I'll break bread with you, Jonathan. Hallelujah. <laughs> and you become a sharer, a partner with Mashiach. We participate in his life. His life is flowing through us. Not my life, it's his life. We hear his heart. Not my heart, his heart. My heart's wicked. I got need to make sure it's covered under the, uh, the blood of Messiah every day. And I want him to come in. I don't want a secret part of my heart all sealed up. I want him to come in and have all my heart. We not only receive his heart, we receive his secrets. Has, he, has, has the Lord ever told you a secret? You know, yesterday, uh, Karen and I and Peter and Rita got together for some fellowship. A couple of days ago, I came home and Karen was in her prayer room on her face in a puddle of tears. Which means she's had a visitation. She's, been in, she's let him in and she's been dining with Mashiach. As Shaul would say, a chunk of the Holy Spirit had fallen on her. And she had this beautiful word. So we fixed a cup of coffee. We're in our living room the next day, a couple days later. And Peter said, I got this word. You know what? It was the same word. <laughs> Listen, he will tell you secrets from the counsel of God. He's the wonderful counselor. He's Mel, he is Pele Yowetz. He, he is El Gibor, the mighty God. His thoughts. He'll give you his thoughts. This is what I think about it. <laughs> You're trying to figure out what to do? Find out what his thoughts are. Those so much higher than ours and above the heavens, ours above the earth. We need his thoughts. His thoughts, his heart, his ways. If you want to clearly hear his voice, feel his love, Walk in freedom. You cannot keep a sealed room. You need to ask him to come all the way in. Look, people see your actions, but he knows our motives. He wants to even sanctify them. Sanctify our motives. Your sealed room is a paro. It's a pharaoh. He's the jailer. He controls you by his false doctrine of self comes first. It's the way of the world all over the Western world. It's the crippling, excessive need for self-focus. Don't focus on yourself. Focus on him. He'll set you free. You know, some of us have a sign over our door. It's a big, like a big sign. If that was our sealed room, there would be a big sign where it says, Ash, fire there. It would say, me. Yeah. Let's peel the tape off and let it say, him, he lives there. Hallelujah. Now, I want to pray in just a minute. Let me just read, the, read this scripture to you. And Brandon, why don't you come wherever you are? We have a worship team here. Okay. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house you would build for me? Who will hear the cry of my heart? Who in this place will hear the cry of God's heart. We sang it over the single moms a few minutes ago. Where will my resting place be? There are some billions of people in this world, and the Lord is looking for somebody who will open their heart all the way that he can come in 
and find a resting place and you will find healing. I love this song. The next part is this. Here, O Lord, I have prepared for you a home. Khan Adonai, here, O Lord. Come on in. I'm opening the door. I want, I want to take this, the tape off my sealed room. Long have I desired for you to dwell. Here, O Lord, have I prepared a resting place. Here, O Lord, I wait for you alone. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Lord, we need you. We can't do these things alone. Who is sufficient for such as this? We need your spirit that you would set captives free. We gaze on your glory. Lord, your glory left once people were sealed up. I ask you to open us now by your Spirit. Bring healing. Bring deliverance. People that have not experienced your love, bring your love into their sealed room. People that have been anxious about themselves too much, help them right now. Do something wonderful here. Help us say, like the Shaliak Shaul said, I give you my ego, it's all dung. Lord, break through the walls. Holy Spirit, come and open the, open, open the wall. Remove the tape. Remove the layers and layers of things that we put in the way of you. Let's stand. If you know the Holy Spirit speaking to you, I'm going to just ask you to come up now. We'll pray, pray for you. If you really want him to come all the way in to the room you know you've sealed off from him, you just come. It takes courage to take that tape off. Only the Lord can do it. No counselor can do it. No psychiatrist. Only the Holy Spirit. Focus on Yeshua. Invite him in. He's got his hand on the door of your heart. And he's, 
He's come to set you free because he loves you so much. You talk to him now. Talk to him in Russian, Hebrew, Arabic, English, whatever it is. in your blood fill us with your spirit now let's pray this prayer together you need to name a couple of things and he'll set you free Holy Spirit's been quickening a couple of things 
confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And we'll all do, the, all do this together if it bears witness with you. Lord, I confess pride. Speak it out. If you know you have pride in that inner room, speak it out. Lord, I confess pride. Lord, I confess self-focus. Help me focus on you. Lord, I confess anxiety. Help me be anxious for nothing and trust in you. Lord, I confess insecurity that I'm worrying about me. Lord, come into my heart. Cleanse me. Cleanse me from unclean images. Cleanse me from focusing on men or women more than you. Cleanse me, Lord. Sanctify me. Lord, I give you my ego. Sanctify it so that I will hear your voice, your heart, your ways, and I will walk with you. Now, my friends, maybe some of you have gone to a restaurant sometime, maybe you haven't. And the waiter would come if you're with your wife or your, your, your friend, there's two of you. And the waiter comes up and says, dinner for two? Yes, dinner for two, that'd be nice. Yeshua is saying to you, he wants you to begin to have dinner for two with him. That you would feed on him. Face to face with the bridegroom. What a beautiful, what a beautiful um, invitation he gives. He said, open the door and we'll have dinner, dinner for two, you and me. Hallelujah. You start having dinner for two with Yeshua consistently. He'll transform your heart. Your heart will be his heart. He'll give you the desires of your heart because it's beating with his heart. But it means consistent communion with the Lord. Now we're going to seal this moment. We're going to take the Lord's Supper.